0: So, you want to save the world with clean energy? Make money doing it? Confused about the economic and technical realities of residential and commercial solar, batteries, heat pumps, EVs? Want the real world scoop on new energy technologies, not manufacture hype? Then tune in to the Weekly Energy Show, hosted by Barry Cinnamon. Insights from Barry's 40 plus years in the solar and energy industry will help you understand the future ways we'll generate and consume energy. And now, here's Barry.
1: Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, by the end of 2023, there's going to be almost 3 million electric vehicles on the road in the United States. Over a half a million just in California. And by 2035 in California, all new cars are going to have to be electric no more gas cars should be sold. I mean, we'll see if we're we're able to accomplish that goal. But eventually, if you kind of follow that model, that corner gas station will be just as obsolete as the local horse stable 100 years ago. But only if we're smart about EV charging and building that electric infrastructure. And so far, My perspective, we're not being very smart about how to do this efficiently, inexpensively, and quickly. So as another perspective, it's my pleasure to introduce Tom McCalmon, who's the CEO of Paired Power. Over the past, heck, it's almost been 25 years, Tom has been very active in the solar industry. We've been friends going back to the days when he was the CEO of Regrid Power and a CEO of Real Good Solar. He's the president of McCalmon Engineering which is a commercial and utility-scale engineering firm. And we use them regularly for our commercial engineering. I'd say they're the preeminent commercial and utility-scale solar engineering firm. They do projects all over the country. Tom, in his spare time, came up with this idea of pairing a direct DC solar charger with car charging. And he built a company called Paired Power. So he's the CEO of that. Paired Power has been exhibiting at shows every once in a while. They have a really innovative EV charging system, so I'm looking forward to Tom's insights about practical and affordable EV charging, as opposed to the alternative, which is not very practical and not very affordable and really long term. So, welcome to the show, Tom.
0: Thanks, thanks, Barry. Nice to be here.
1: All right, so I just thought we'd start out with some a thought experiment about if you had a clean slate, what would be the best way to do EV charging? So first. What's the cheapest source of electricity?
0: Absolutely sunlight. Okay,
1: right. Okay, it's it's sun. It's cheap. It's way cheaper than than wind. Absolutely. So when do we have the most available sunlight
0: to make electricity? We have it every day, especially in California. Especially. All day, every day. Especially during the day. (laughs) Exactly.
1: People say we can, you know, get power from the moon. No, that's not going to work. So it's daytime. So you're going to charge your car. Where are most cars during the day?
0: Yeah, they're at work or at school or, you know, at the library, visiting commercial buildings.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're not necessarily at home, which is a good thing because if you always charged your car at home, that would kind of be by definition at night when electricity is not cheapest and there's not a lot of solar. And it's fossil fuel at night. It's not solar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or we can put in a gazillion dollars worth of battery systems by the utilities and they can move around, but that's just redundant, slow, and expensive. So the basic question is why don't we have more EV chargers at work and at at schools. And that kind of leads us to your rationale. I don't know, heck, like 10 years ago of coming up with paired power.
0: That's right. Yeah. What paired power does is solar powered EV charging. Very simple. And there are so many benefits to that approach. You know, the energy is free. The fuel is free. It's 100% sustainable because all the energy is coming from the sun. It's fully resilient in our approach because we don't have to connect to the grid. So what does that mean? That means that if the grid goes out and everybody's driving an EV, we can still charge our cars. So lots of benefits.
1: And I also kind of like the fact that you don't have to be connected to the grid because oftentimes connecting to the grid is the most expensive and the longest delay as far as deploying anything.
0: Very difficult. Yeah, more and more, uh, you know, traditional grid chargers, those projects are delayed now for years not months, years, because of getting the approvals from the utility. As somebody told me the other day, just getting in the queue, the queue might be 18 months to get your project considered. Then it still has to be constructed. So very long time frames and lots of costs associated with those installations.
1: I mean, it just begs the question of, has anybody ever done the math of how we would possibly install enough level three high-speed DC chargers on on thoroughfares in order to kind of power every
0: vehicle by 2035? So here's my thought experiment, right? So there's roughly 30 million vehicles in California, half cars, half trucks. Each category of vehicle goes roughly 12,000 miles per year. If you add up all those miles, it's something like 350 billion miles. It's just California we're talking about, vehicle travel miles. If you convert that to electricity using... What's the weight of steel that I can power with a kilowatt hour of electricity? How big do you think that is? It's 175 billion kilowatt hours. It's more than double the size of the current. Wow. In other words, we need to more than double the size of the current grid to electrify all of the you know cars, trucks, and buses in California. It's a massive problem. It's not something you can do alone with grid power, which is why we are so passionate about off-grid being a complementary technology and necessary. Solar-powered EV charging is necessary to get us to our climate reduction goals.
1: Well, you know, in perhaps some alternative universe, it'd be feasible to find enough money to do that. But I mean, we're just looking at electric rates in California going up consistently, ten or fifteen percent every single year, with absolutely no end in sight. And I just watch these, you know, feel-good commercials from PG&E saying we're doing all we can to, you know, increase the size of the grid and we're burying lines. And it's like, yeah, but following that math of all the electricity we're going to need, people are going to be looking at two-dollar kilowatt-hour electric bills, absolutely. and you know, you can't
0: do that. Sorry.
1: All right. So pear power logically makes sense. Tell us about a typical paired power system. And I know you have different alternatives and options.
0: Yeah, so our kind of flagship product is something we call the pear tree. We innovated this during the pandemic. It's a pop-up solar canopy. It can be built in a single day. It does not require any heavy construction, does not require, you know, cranes or lifts or things like that. It can be built by two two workers in a single day. It provides the power source to a battery, and then that battery is in turn used to charge EVs. So it can charge up to two vehicles, and give them an impressive amount of range every day. And just is a absolutely delightful system in terms of being, you know, off grid, solar powered, hundred percent green, no cost for fuel. All of the things that I mentioned is provided by by that product. So that's just deliver it to the site. Get a couple. People to expand it, do some final wiring
1: and connections, and then, and then you're ready to go. Yeah. Now, I know you also have been doing some parking lot charging stations. Mm-hmm. We actually help you wire it up one. Tell us a little bit about that project.
0: Yes, we have higher powered versions, direct DC versions of our technology, so we can charge directly from the sun to the vehicle. That is typically a larger project, like a large canopy. But again, has all the benefits of daytime charging. Perfect for workplaces, commercial outlets, places like that. Absolutely.
1: And how is that business line going as far as getting contractors and people to start installing the, the larger yeah. commercial scale? Because to me, that's what we're going to need. Every single parking lot facility having level two chargers, and people could just kind of you know charge at seven or eight kilowatt hours. And that's going to be enough to soak up all that sun.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a ton of interest in these commercial projects, the ability to put them in quickly to avoid these delays that I talked about with you know, waiting for utility approvals, waiting for long permitting cycles, be able to actually have your charging stations up and running in a relatively short time and be you know fully green and solar powered. We're here in California.
1: Why aren't there more companies putting in charging stations or at malls or libraries or things like that? Why isn't that happening more? I see some, there was kind of a burst of solar canopy parking lot structures going in and it seems to have tapered
0: off a little bit. Why is that? You know, I think it's because of the delays. I think people are waiting. They're in queues. I think it's a big part of it. So so the projects might be in the minds of people, then they're thinking about it, but it takes a long time to get those approvals and get those permits and You know, the other thing is that, and a lot of people don't really appreciate this, grid capacity is really a huge issue. So if you're putting in two chargers at a retail outlet, sure, that's not hard. You can find enough power to do that. But if you're putting in 50, the grid capacity at that facility is not big enough. And it requires a new service drop, a new connection from the utility. And that's where these long delays come into place. You know, pg and will tell you, sure, we can put that in for you two years from now. So. Yeah, that just
1: sidetracks it. Now, the other delays that we're seeing, because we do commercial solar installations, is the economics for that have been constrained by the utilities. We're on that metering three so right. that these facilities really won't get any benefit at all on weekends when they have excess power. They only get it during the weekday when people are using it. And then also there's some labor issues that are making it much more expensive to do this installation. So I kind of yeah, I guess I'm paranoid. Call me paranoid. But I'm looking at utilities rigging the game mm-hmm. so that the most cost-effective, practical, fastest alternatives, i.e., putting in paired power DC chargers in companies and rooftops all over the place, that really is a difficult thing to do. They make it more expensive. And then kind of the other thing that I've seen and run some numbers on is that in California, you have these things called demand charges. Yeah, that's right. And so when everybody comes into work at 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning and they plug in, although they may be getting very inexpensive solar kilowatt hours on the roof, the utilities basically say, oh, well, when the cloud went over, your peak energy went way up, and now you've got a multi-thousand-dollar bill for that month.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a good example of that, if, if you put in grid chargers... The average level two grid charger is about six kilowatts. Let's say you put 50 of them in, that's 300 kilowatts. Demand charges are close to $50 a kilowatt in the summer. So that's thousands and thousands of dollars per month that you're going to pay in demand charges for those chargers, for those EV chargers. Whereas if you do them off-grid... You don't have those demand charges. You have no new utility costs. Right,
1: right. You do it off-grid. You have batteries to store up some power from the weekend. Right. And then, you know, when the cloud goes over, you won't be charging as much. You pull your energy from your battery, right. but you don't get...